0: the questions that arise. Okay, let's uh, turn our attention now to our finance slot. Let me welcome Snenkandla Nzama, who is Head Product actuary at Investec Life. Snenkandla, good morning to you. Thanks for your time today.
1: Thanks for having
0: all right. I'm going to ask you just to speak a little bit louder because I can't hear you uh, clearly. Not sure how far you are from your your uh, your phone, uh, if 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 that's what you're using to connect to us. Um, Snelton, I just want to begin, perhaps, with the, we're going to talk life insurance today. And what is life insurance? Is it an investment? How does it work?
2: Mm. Well, Kathy, I hope you can hear me now. Yes, much um, better. Yes. Well, in South Africa, life insurance. Has always been seen more as last cover, or, or what you call death cover, that uh, pays in the in the event that you pass away to your family to look after your family, so mm-hmm. to look after those living expenses, um, and make sure the kids can go to school and they can go to university, and you've got a spouse who's staying at home, they they can look after them, but also obviously the South dynamics means also looking after extended family like your parents, grandparents, your siblings, your uncles and and and, and, and and aunts and yeah so that like, family is also always considered within your your death benefits. but also in South Africa and pretty much most of the world, when you do die and you do have assets, it does result in some of the death taxes, like the estate duties uh, so it's also supposed to cover those uh, those um, uh, taxes and any of the debts that you may have that you die without paying off, especially things like your your home loans. And your cars that you want your family to still uh, maintain and to keep after you pass on, but that's really the death cover and the life cover. There's other benefits and other um, uh, products that are within the life insurance um, or life insurance sector that are actually always uh, useful and always used by uh, consumers. And for me, it's always literally still in the context of the holistic financial planning where you look at your investments, you look at your retirement annuities. This is a protection mechanism for that.
0: So, you know, you talk about the difference between funeral policies and life insurance. You know, very explicitly explain the differences to us.
2: Well, I think the basic, basic, um, I'll give you two, two differences, but the basic, basic of differences is that funeral cover will typically be limited to anything between 50000 or 100000 maximum. And that will not be what you find in the market um, underwritten. So it means they don't ask for blood tests. So it's a quick, easy, to buy uh, products and, it's supposed to fulfill the cost of your funeral. So whatever, if you pass on uh, now and what uh, from now until the weekend, all those expenses that have come up in the family, It's supposed to cover that and make sure that it's sufficiently covered. And then life cover is typically what is then, uh, we call an underwritten product where we do ask uh, typically for blood tests. It basically could be an HIV test. Sometimes there will be other uh, different tests that could be asked in the doctor's report to assess your health before you get the cover. And that would be a bigger amount of cover. So it could be you think about a million, half a million, uh, depending on your needs and how much you need. Could it run to 10 million or uh, 20 million? And that really is to take care of the family from Monday. So you are buried on a Saturday or Sunday from Mm -hmm. Monday onwards. They have to go back to school. They have to pay for the city. They have to pay the rates and levies. You have to pay for the, uh, for the for the for the living expenses, the groceries, up until the kids uh, uh, can be able to look after themselves, or your spouse is able to go back to work, or they can restructure their lives. So it's really the size of the of the policy, and also how we, how you buy the policy, basically are the main differences, and obviously the needs of how why you use each.
0: Mm. One of the, you know, the the popular cases, at least in a country like South Africa, is that of of Glove. And it's really brought to the fore, the, the, the issue of life insurance, right? And 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 how it works and who can take out life insurance on who. Um, <laughs> and, and the extent to which these processes are followed. Uh, because, of course, many people then think, well, if, if this person was able to take out all of these different policies, in some instances, some people didn't even know that she had life insurance Policies in their name. So, explain to us the process of actually, uh, you know, procuring a life policy, uh, sorry, a, a life insurance in somebody's mm-hmm. name, and you know the, the kind of benefits that accrue and to who they they are mm-hmm. actually, they actually
1: accrue.
2: Yes. Well, with with funeral with cover especially, um, it is typical and, and common in the market that you can take because well, it, it, the legislation also understands that. You can be liable or, 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 or have to look after your family uh, in terms of their annual cost. And it's typical that if someone passes on the family, your brother, your sister and your cousins will will chip in. So that product is supposed to allow you to do that. So to take cover on behalf or on, on someone else's life. However, there's always that, what you call an insurable interest which means that the person should be dependent on you and they should typically be your, um, your immediate family or your family in one way or the other. Uh, because most of the time you would not be able to to, to to cover your neighbor or to cover your friend who's not necessarily relative to you or not financially dependent on you. So then what happens is that uh, if someone then were to look up, say, take 10 funeral cover policies of 100,000 for 10 people, uh, there, we're talking about a million now, which becomes substantial. And obviously, as I said, in some cases, it could be a motive uh, to have ulterior um, uh, events on, on, or, or actions on, on, on those family members. So obviously, that's all illegalities that can happen out there um, uh, in, 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 the, in, in reality. But um, I, I think in the context of South Africa, funeral cover always plays that critical element to say every, every person can be able to cover the person that depends on them should they pass away. And obviously, with multiple people that you can cover, it does add up on an advocate level something that is substantial. On the other side, on, 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 on life cover, which as I said earlier on, it will be full and written, so the insurer will do a blood tests, unlike a funeral cover, they just look at the after age and the date of their birth and the gender of the testament and their names, and that's pretty much earlier about it. And then in the event of death, the cord, they will require that death certificate. So if someone is related to you, they'll obviously have that access to the death certificate. But on life cover, full and written life cover, then the insurer will have to talk to someone who's being insured. They'll ask for blood tests. They'll ask for all other medical, their medical history. And there it's strict. It has to be the person who's being covered. And there it's usually you're allowed to cover yourself and in some instances cover your spouse because then you've got that relationship with the spouse, that contractual um, relationship with the spouse. And they will know that they have been covered in that instance. So the ulterior motives will always be quite limited. Mm.
0: What are some of the myths surrounding life insurance?
2: Oh, get me. So there I think we can talk for the whole day. I'll just I'll just probably look at the very very few that are, especially typical in South Africa. Um, one of them is, is really this misconception that um, it, it's always about death cover, it's always about life cover when you talk about life insurance when actually life insurance is all-encompassing. It includes uh, things like severe illnesses or threat disease uh, cover that looks after you should you be diagnosed with an, a, a very severe illness like um, a cancer, a heart condition, or even nowadays, a very severe COVID um, uh, symptoms, um, Or also a disability cover where in, we know in South Africa, especially if you are in your 20s and 30s, uh, chances of you being disabled and being in a car accident are so high that you are likely to be disabled than to die anything if you are young. So again, the misconception is that you always need life cover, but in, in actual fact, even the um, the risk out there, you probably in your younger ages do need as, uh, much more severe and disabilities uh, cover than you do need life cover. Um, and then I, I think the other one is if um, you if you are, if you are work, working for a, a large company or a corporate where you typically where there's a pension fund, you do get some cover from the pension fund. Um, and some of the misconceptions there, or the myth, is that that is always sufficient and covers you, which could be true if you don't have dependents, uh, because that would typically be multiples of your annual salary. So say maybe two times or three times. So that means you're leaving your family with about two or three years' worth of your um, of your income. If you do, if, you, if you've got young kids and you've got um, a, an unemployed spouse, that is always uh, insufficient. You have to top it up and make sure it's sufficient. Uh, but for me, it's really being able to add more than death covers. Not always about death; it's also about life, especially in Africa, where the risk of car accidents and other traumatic events are so high. You always have to look after and, and uh, yourself and your family, and your investment and 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 and, um, and wealth uh, accumulation plan. By protecting yourself
0: against those events. And of course, often people look at life insurance as one of those grudge purchases, you know, because they think, well, yeah, sure, there's a high accident rate in, in the country, but am I really going to get into an accident? Do I really need to be getting this cover, or is it just a waste of money?
2: To a large extent, I think traditionally that has been true as a grudge purchase with a grudge process where typically life insurance has to go through a, a broker. You have to see them face-to-face probably multiple times for them to understand your needs. Then you're going through a quoting process and multiple uh, sets of papers that they have to complete and then blood tests until eventually weeks or months later you get the insurance. Now I say that the process has been streamlined. It's completely, uh, most of the time, digital. Uh, but also, I think the way that we structure life insurance and the, the conversations that uh, people have around life insurance is changing. And it has changed quite significantly, especially with, uh, with, with COVID and other financial constraints that have in the market in the last uh, couple of years. Is that now life insurance is integrated more and more into holistic financial planning. What I mean by that is that now in, in financial planning, the starting phase is always about budgeting, it's always about uh, uh, ensuring that you can create room to save. But that's a, the that's a baseline. So be able to save so that you can start investing uh, after a while once you committed some of the savings and you start your growth uh, in, in, into, in, into proper financial plan. And then after a while, you have to protect that growth and you protect the accumulated wealth. And one of the protection uh, mechanisms then that makes complete sense at that point is What are the eventualities that can happen as in the market crashes that you've got no control over? Things like your disabilities, your severe illnesses, you're unable to work, or Mm. you you pass away. So once it's seen and thought in that holistic financial planning, it always makes sense. It becomes part of your life. It becomes part of your finances and your family rather than just something that someone shoving down your throat.
0: Let me quickly take a call from Raymond out in Zanin. Raymond, good morning.
2: Hi, thank you, Kelly, Casey, and the guest, uh, mm-hmm. and also to the listeners for taking level. I I just want to ask you a question to this guest here. Can someone take a life uh, policy uh, on of, uh, with, uh, on behalf of other people without their consent? Meaning that now uh, someone goes and you know go and get the ID of other people, you know, register them for life harbor, you know, but without their acknowledgement, uh, also of knowing, and also claim on their behalf, so those people pass away.
0: Okay, Snintanza, uh, did you hear that question?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Yeah, um, I, I
0: think it's probably just the difference between life policy and um, or funeral policy and 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 life insurance.
2: Yes, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said earlier on, with 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 funeral policy, it's not underwritten, so there is not really a need to have concerns uh, from the person being covered. And then regulation also limits the amount of, you know, cover you can take, uh, especially for kids. There is limited, like 20,000 for the very young kids. So there, there are those protection mechanisms, but there's still at risk that someone then be covered without them knowing. Um, and also think about it. Uh, some of the people, it may be necessary that you cover your parents, but also disclosing that to them may not necessarily be that comfortable conversation in the, you know, cover space. Um, on life cover, it's very rare that you can cover someone without their concerns. Uh, as I said, they will have to be underwritten. So when when we are when the insurer asks them about their medical uh, history and they ask for the blood test, they will have to disclose and why, as an insurer, we're asking for those those, and we'll disclose it's taking the cover and we'll disclose the amount of cover, and they'll have to grant them concerns in that uh, in most of the cases.
0: We're in conversation with Snetlan Nzama, head product actuary at Investec Life. We'll be taking your calls on zero double one seven one four two double zero six on the WhatsApp line, zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. And on Twitter at SFM radio, the hashtag there SFM Talking Point. Snentlantla, what are the challenges that people often face when it comes to getting payouts? Uh, this is from life insurance.
1: Um
2: <coughs> What, what, what we've seen in in, in the market, I, I, I think there are a few challenges. One of them is just the nature of how underwriting, underwriting is been done. So when you take out the policy uh, initially, you are insurance is always going to say you take it in, uh, you contracting in good faith between the insurer and, uh, and, uh, and the person who's taking the cover and who's going to be covered. So when you when you ask about your health history or medical history and what medication you could be on. That's when the uh, ultimate honesty, you rather be over disclosing than under uh, disclosing in that instance. And then one of the challenges that happen at claim stage should something material, and again, the word material is quite an important word in, in, in the whole concept, that anything material not disclosed can result in sometimes the claim being declined or sometimes what we call reconstructed. So if it was material, you could have resulted in a higher premium than what you would charge then the cover will be reduced by the difference in premiums as it didn't pay. But there are, unfortunately, some events where, uh, some instances where the cover wouldn't have been granted to begin with, because it has been uninsurable uh, for various health reasons, uh, that then the claim has to be declined. And I mean, there's no typical cases that come up in the, in, the, in the media of those. So for me, that's really the pain point and some sort of the issues that you find uh, typically in the market. The other issues have always been about the process and about um, and about uh, the cumbersome paperwork and the hindrance to for for for, for the whole for the whole of the market to be able to access appropriate insurance. When I say appropriate, sometimes they sold non-underwritten insurance when they can actually get full underwritten. They do blood tests; it becomes much cheaper. Always um, make an example of someone uh, paying 100 ren to get a million rand covered. If they do blood tests, but they will get 300,000 if they don't do blood tests. So sometimes sometimes those constraints Then I use, sometimes certain people can't afford the life cover uh, unreasonably. Mm-hmm. So, but those are things I think the market is bridging with some digital and technology. All
0: mm-hmm. right. Snenkan Tlaan Zama will continue the conversation after the latest 10.30 news headlines. And good morning.
3: The Talking Point with Kathimo Sasana Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
0: We're in conversation with Snenkantlanza, my head product actuary at Investec Life. We're talking about uh, life insurance and some of the things we need to know uh, before we take out life insurance. Snenkantlanza, you know, we're dealing with uh, an economic context where a lot of people have lost their jobs. I know life insurance doesn't necessarily cover you for unemployment, but what happens, uh, um, you know, to the policies that people have when they are unable to keep up with those payments?
2: Um, Kathy, uh, uh, different insurers will, uh, life insurance companies will have different features and mechanisms to, to help clients. Um, I, I think when, when COVID started in 2020, almost all the insurers had some special dispensations to say you can pause the premium for at least three months to six months without necessarily losing your cover um, and then pick it up from then should the situation change if it doesn't change then we're making, making plans for for each of the clients on individual case-by-case basis but typically what you also find is that there are some features of the products are entrenched within uh, different products where for example you can have premium waivers what uh, what that means is that should you be retrenched or under financial tra- constraints the track allows you typically, again, between three and six months within the policy to, to skip the premium to that necessary losing cover. And then thereafter, your cover it gets paused. So I, I would say consumers just have to interrogate and look at each of the, uh, the policies that they've got and see where those uh, allowances are. Mm. And just as a principle, it's always better to engage with your advisor or with your, um, uh, with, with your insurance company directly. Uh, most of the time, a plan can be made. And obviously, within reason, if it's a long-term unemployment um, situation, then obviously the question comes to mind whether you should actually still be keeping that amount of cover or you should be reducing it. So there are some options that can uh, be presented to a client. Um, but most of the time, there are ways that can be uh, an insurer can be lenient in still keeping you the cover for a few months, especially if you're in between jobs and you still have some uh, uh, prospect of getting a new job in the next three months or so.
0: All right. Let me go to Johan in Tembisa. Johan, good morning.
1: Good morning, my wife. I'm
0: all right, thank you.
1: I'm okay. Uh, yes, I have forgot a problem also. I was working for a company when I became, uh, I was involved in extended. Uh, on that, I was paying for uh, cover, a uh, disability cover and life insurance and another one says uh, health insurance. So I was taken to the, the, the doctors until I finished there was a broker between there. So when I tried to find out to about my life cover because I, I was bothered by the doctor to say I'm unfit to work anymore. Then the broker was no more to be found. It was I don't know if I can say the name of the broker. Hello?
0: Yeah, yes, yes, yes Johan. So it, yes. Uh-huh. It was
1: it, it was Jeremy Kellett. Uh, they were found in the Rosberg. Then mm-hmm. I, I tried to phone and then, then when I was phone I was helped and to say, you know, I must go to a sick peripension uh, educator. When I uh, tried to talk to them, they said, no, this thing is not on our side. I must try to go to, I don't know, i um, what what. So I'm stuck. I don't know where to go. Because I was uh, paying for that life cover and stuff. But sure. they, I'm not able to, to where I was.
0: Yes. And 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 you don't know which financial company um, you had taken this this life insurance cover with that maybe you can <laughs> approach that company directly.
1: No, no, I don't know because the broker was the one who was doing everything. Even also with my disability, I didn't know. But now when I checked, I found that it was covered with the mm-hmm. um, capital Alliance. So when I asked them about my life because I'm no longer because I was having also some other things which have I bought and then maybe they can pay for that those things I found that those those capital they said no on our side it was ask you 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 company and the, or you work you you your, your employ employer was no more to be found also it looks like they changed the name also
0: sure yeah it's uh, Um...
2: Yeah, it it, it it does sound uh, tough, especially where you don't have uh, policy documents or any information about who the insurance company could have been in that instance. So from what I'm hearing, it could be that uh, it was an employer scheme, so which means that it belonged to his employer's pension fund or provident fund, and the fund had taken up a group policy with some of the insurers. So in that instance, most of the time, the employee would not know who the insurer is. Uh, and they may be corresponding with a broker, and most of the brokers would be the large uh, uh, financial services companies that offer those services. Um, so, in that instance, if you can find then the broker name or the company, which company, uh, or even their employer, then he would go into the large um, financial services companies and check if they were doing broker work for for their employer. And I mean, the alternative then, if you uh, um, uh, couldn't, you can't find anything. They have to try the Phase Ombudsman um, or Phase Ombud. Um, uh, they've got their numbers. You can just Google the Phase Ombud. Phase, phase so Phase Ombud basically looks after all the complaints related to advice uh, where broker um, uh, was involved. So there, they can even assist. Then they have to look for where the employer could have placed uh, the, uh, the, 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 the best group policy and who the broker could have been at that point. And I think they again just really trying to see is, is to get as much information as possible, but without those details about who the insurance company was and who the broker was, it's really really difficult when there's no paperwork to understand mm. what was the cover. Mm.
0: And, and Johan, was there any reason why you you never received any kind of policy documents? I,
1: I agree. There's this, this uh, document from this broker. The broker yes, because at the time when I was sicky, when I was taking the doctors and the fees, uh, I was phoned by the broker to say, okay, on which date you are going for valuation? Then I went there. Then after that, and then when I was phoned to say, okay, we now no longer going to send you anymore. Then right when I tried to stress my things, and I found that they are no to be found, just the address and that that. But I was helped by this pension um, uh, of care that They 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 they, they tracked them with the new name. Because I tried. Also, when I was phoning, I was helped. Another, another man said, no, they changed their name. They say me. I don't know what what Seth's claim, something like that. Mm-hmm. Then when I phoned them, I sent them their documents. They said, no, they will start. They will come back to me. They never come back to me until I was... Uh, they were found by this... Uh, pension of yes.
0: right. Yes. Y- Johan, let me do this. Uh, I'll ask Levo to take down your number. I think we should pass it on to Brian, and maybe he'll be able just to do a I little d- bit of work to try and I, get to I, the I, bottom of what's happening.
1: I, I did I did talk to Brian. Brian mm-hmm. was trying to help me. There was a lady there, there by the, the broker, said, no, you can't be involved with Brian because he's already with the, the pension of So the cho- I went to the office of the pension of They said, no, this this case is not on our side. I must go to, I don't know what is is something ombudsman, something like that. So it looks like that thing need a lawyer, need people who knows about it. See uh, the law. You see.
0: Yeah. All right. Brian knows
1: about that. All, All right. right.
0: Mm-hmm. Johan, I think we'll have a chat with Brian and find out whatever happened to your matter. But uh, it looks like, uh, you know, the ombudsman may be the last uh, option for you in as far as, you know, laying a complaint and trying to find out what has happened to, you know, this cover that you should be entitled to, given the fact yes, that you are paying those premiums. If someone
1: a lawyer who, who is listing, maybe me and to, can, you, can, you just, can you just my number, maybe someone will be to help.
0: All right. No problem, Johan. Let's leave it there. Johan out in Tempisa. Snenkandla, uh, we've also come to the end of our time for this program. Let me thank you so much uh, for coming on board for today.
2: Thank you. Thanks a lot, Kathy.
0: All right, and it's Nintantla Nzama, there he is with Investec Life. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're in conversation with CEO, founder of Flex Club, Tinashe Ruzani. We'll be finding out all about his story. When our nation's thirst for knowledge cried out, we listened. You inspired to you near and far who led us in and shaped our collective imagination into stories of living, breathing magic. Here's to 25-plus years of SABC education, enriching minds, enriching lives. And to you, daringly, dream beyond your boundaries.
3: From the pitter-patter of baby feet to watching them skip into preschool, walk down the aisle, or step into their new career, Our children are our priority. Make sure you secure their next steps today. Get your will in place with South Africa's leading wills and estate specialists, Capital Legacy. Search CapitalLegacy.co.za or speak to your financial advisor. Capital Legacy is a registered FSP underwritten by God Risk Life, a licensed life insurer. The Talking Point with Kathimo Sassana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
4: my rights away the faster I will run you can deny me you can decide to turn your face away no matter cause there's something inside so strong Know that I can make it Though you're doing me wrong, so wrong You thought that my pride was gone Oh no Something inside so strong Oh something inside so strong The more you refuse to hear my voice in time you squander well that's mine my light will shine so bright it will blind you because there's something inside so strong I know that I can make it though you're doing me wrong so wrong you thought that my pride was gone Inside so strong, oh, something inside so strong,
0: brothers and sisters. So, of course, every time you hear the song, you know it's our personal development session. We're talking to mostly South Africans, not just South Africans, but really exceptional people, and finding out a little bit about their journeys uh, and I suppose seeing what are the lessons uh, that we can learn or, or take from their journeys. Tinashe Rosani is the CEO of Flex Club, it's an online platform that offers companies a car subscription service. He joins us on the line. Tinashe, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning.
2: Morning, Cathy. Thank you for having me.
0: I think, let's just begin with your story. Who is Tinashe? How did you end up being the CEO of a company that is a growing uh, online platform running in at least six countries?
3: Uh, Yes, so I guess my journey started a few years ago. I previously worked at Uber, um, so heading up what Uber calls vehicle solutions, so helping community of drivers that use the Uber app access a vehicles across the Europe, Middle East,
0: and Africa. Uh, I joined the East Africa, and to, to, through t- that experience... Tinashe, t- t- I... t- the line to you isn't great. Uh, I'm going to see if we can't try and get you up on a different line. Unfortunately, I'm struggling to hear you uh, and make out part of what you're saying. We'll continue uh, this conversation with Tinashe in a moment. For now, some of your WhatsApp voice notes.
2: Good morning, Sister Cathy. I just want to, to know... Um, how pe- why people they don't want to put masks? mask um, uh, like I, today I was in the text after three years, I never travel by text, but today I travel by text. Um, I was alone putting mask on. So I'm thinking maybe they mustn't say the face mask, they must say mouth mask. Then people are going to learn maybe to put on a mouth. Thank you, Cathy. Morning, Cape Town. Morning, Cathy. Great show as always, Kathy. Kathy, Vicky, The INC is broken. They are finished, you know, they are done. In other words, there's no more agency. they break the agency themselves, you know, by taking the people for a right and stealing all the money of the country. Like that other guy with the long head. What is that, you know, taking the people for a fool? Thank you very much, Kathy, for a great show.
1: Hello, Cathy and the team and the listeners uh oh shame it's a shame man i'm listening to mr lisi but oh what a shame man his love for nc has these cemented blinders that won't move from him this is exactly what put us through to this mess we are in this mess because of this love for the nc this nc is not the nc you used to know it's getting worse by the day oh what a shame to mr lisiper man oh uh wish he can remove his blinders and see the reality. It's not getting better, unfortunately. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point.
0: We continue the conversation on the Talking Point uh, for our personal development session today. We have Tinashe Ruzani. Uh, Tinashe, I hope the line is better this time around. Good morning again.
3: The indeed. Yes, uh,
0: slightly better. Let's see what we can get through. So so you're telling us about your story and that you are a former employee of Uber?
3: That's correct. Uh, yes, I spent four years of my career working for, working for Uber in Amsterdam and uh, essentially helping to increase access to vehicles for the community of drivers across Europe, Middle East and Africa. And that was really where I gained conviction that there was an opportunity to do this more broadly, so three years ago, started Flex Club with one of, my, one of my colleagues at Uber and then someone else that we had worked closely with, who was an engineer and built one of the first car sharing platforms in South Africa, and we started building out this platform that is today Flex Club, with a simple mission of trying to increase access to vehicles online. Um, so initially, it was focused on helping Uber drivers easily access vehicles online in just a few clicks. And then eventually progress to helping consumers, regular, regular folks that just need a vehicle for personal use mm-hmm. um, where they could go onto the platform, order the car that they want and get it delivered to their home in under a week. And um, I guess we've been building out a, a network of companies that have vehicles and want to make those vehicles available to our community of members at Plus Club.
0: So to if I understand you correctly, it's an online car hire service.
3: Yeah. So I think often, you know, folks associate car hire with the short term use, you know, mm. so I want a vehicle, you know, for the weekend or a week away on holiday. Mm. We are focusing on long term use. So people are coming to us to access vehicles for one month or up to two years, sure. um, mm. depending on whatever they need is. Um, so it really is an alternative to traditional vehicle finance. Uh, so instead of taking a loan and being tied down for six years, You can just access the vehicle that you want, uh, and basically change the vehicle or stop your subscription when it's appropriate for you.
0: And how did you get to a point where you're able to operate and, and run a company like this from multiple countries?
3: Yeah, so it was one of the things that we became accustomed to. You know, Uber, Uber was at the time, I guess, famously kind of known as a very distributed team, so operating in over 600 cities around the world. Uh but that's, so when I joined ebay, it was three thousand employees spread across the world, and eventually it got to twenty five thousand employees spread across the world um and so we became very familiar with this idea of I guess we were on Zoom before Zoom was cool <laughs> um, You know now everyone is on yeah. um and we we'd often be in 5,000 different cities around the world and working remotely and in a distributed way. you know now obviously a lot more companies have taken to this idea of remote work or hybrid work even. Um so that's actually how we do it is I, I spent a bit of time in the different in the different markets. Um so we operate in predominantly South Africa and Mexico. Uh well some of our teams also in Amsterdam um and spent a bit of time across the different regions, um and otherwise spent a lot of it on, on Zoom actually. Mm. Um so yeah, I guess we we're, we're deeply familiar with it already
0: the journey of of you taking the leap and and jumping from employment to now starting your own business being able to bring together a couple of other uh, people to do it with you what did that take to and what did you learn from that
3: yes yeah, so i think um yeah, it obviously took you know a level of conviction in our own ability to build something mm. that would sustain us um so it wasn't an overnight decision you know i think you know it, it took me four years of working at uber seeing how the automotive industry was evolving to then realize that there was an opportunity to rethink the way this worked um so what it might have seemed you know, like a fast journey i like to say it's, a, it's an overnight decade long decision um and uh that's that's you know what what really got us to the point where we had conviction that it was the right moment in our careers we had you know the resources we had the support of of you know some global investors to help us now build this new company, this new product, um, and that's that's really what kind of pushed us over the edge, if you will, to to then take the leap and, and and start Flex Club.
0: How did you begin, even as as an employee of Uber? So what's what's your background? What did you want to do growing up? How did you end up in this space?
3: <laughs> so I've I've always been obsessed with mobility, and you know how we as a people. Move across our cities. Um, so even as a, even as a as a teenager uh, or a, a later stage teenager, I was dabbling with with motorcycles, trying to import motorcycles from China into South Africa, and, uh, doing a number of things and learned a lot of hard lessons. But I was always obsessed with this idea of trying to build a new type of product, something that increased access you know, to vehicles. And I had moved from you know, trying to do that as a as a younger younger gen and then working in consulting, having clients like some of the automotive companies in consulting, um, and then eventually working at Uber. Um, so I think it was, in my mind, an inevitability that I'd land up here. I just didn't know how, what shape or form you know, my involvement, my entrepreneurial involvement would take. Um, but I, I was, I was you know, always kind of searching for and researching and learning about you know, what the next thing is mm. in, in mobility,
0: So so would you say that you've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial streak?
3: Absolutely. I mean, the the term entrepreneur sometimes kind of makes me feel a little awkward. But I I think at the end of the day, I've always just had a a curiosity where I see a problem and then I start to obsess over it and want to figure out how it can be solved differently. Uh, Maybe there's something that hasn't been factored in and maybe I have a new different perspective uh, that could be added into the equation. Um, so I, I generally just like solving problems, and I've been fortunate to to work alongside people that you know, have the same the same drive, even if not through the entrepreneurial lens. You know, my, a lot of my colleagues at Uber were that way inclined. Just love solving problems, love you know, kind of coming up with new ideas, building new solutions, um, and I've I've always enjoyed that throughout my career, whether as a young teenager or or, or even now as a as a more established mm-hmm. entrepreneur, and,
0: and what do you find are some of the biggest challenges with running an online platform like Flex Club?
3: Yeah, so one one of the the biggest ones, of course, is you know generally when you launch a new product that's completely you know, unknown or unfamiliar to a market, mm. you have to deal with the initial I call it inertia of the market. You know, we as humans don't we don't like change. So when change is presented, we're skeptical, we're distrustful of what what that change looks like. So having to deal with you know the, that initial pushback you know, from the market, and then helping create awareness around what it is we're trying to build, and and um, and how we think we can be helpful to the market. Um, so that was obviously a you know a, a key learning you know, through the journey, understanding how to make sure we can increase awareness of even the term subscription. It's not a term that you'd ordinarily associate with a car. It's something you might associate with your Netflix account or your Spotify account or maybe even a piece of software. Um, we really have to kind of drive awareness around what that actually means you know, for our audience of, of customers in South Africa and in Mexico. Um, but now we've definitely found, uh, I like to say, we found our tribe. You know, there, there are thousands of customers that have now turn to us, have created an account on our platform and are accessing vehicle subscriptions. From you know, some of the world's leading brands, we have you know, brands like Avis and Europcar, uh, Bajaj on the motorcycle side, uh, which is the third-largest motorcycle manufacturer in the world. So, you know, there was sort of this dual track that we had. One, on the one side, was you know, getting folks to be comfortable with the idea of creating a Flex Club account to have a subscription. On the other side, was getting companies to be comfortable with our role in the ecosystem. You know, these, these companies like Avis and Europcar, etc. You know, uh, and, and that that was a process that took years uh and we're still just getting started i feel like we're we're not even you know, out the gates, we're still, you know, a very young, small upstart. Mm. But we're excited about the potential now. And uh, we know that it's, it's not going to be easy, but it is certainly fulfilling for us.
0: You spoke about the fact that, you know, a platform like this also helps create access because one doesn't need the traditional loan from a bank to go buy a car, etc. But when it comes to who then qualifies to be able to subscribe, um, you know, what's the criteria?
3: yeah so you know we use alternative data uh, to assess you know, the risk profile of a customer that's not just i guess the more rigid uh what the banks would call underwriting models uh, for for a loan for vehicle finance so in our case, we look at the affordability or the income assessment you know relative to the subscription that someone is looking to, to, to to have so if you want to subscribe for a car for let's just say 5,000 rand a month. We look at obviously the relationship between your monthly earnings and that commitment you're looking to make. And then also we do do a light check on what has been your financial activity in South Africa. You know, have you had, if you have had blemishes on your mark um, or blemishes on your record rather, um, it's not necessarily a decline, but we then take into account a few different things to assess whether, you know, you can actually easily afford, you know, this 5,000 rand a month commitment, even though it's, it may be a month-to-month commitment, those sort of things. But it's far less rigid than the hoops you need to get through to get a car loan. Um, and this is also why we say it's accessible. The other piece is that you know, normally with some of these larger commitments, these loan commitments, you're expected to make a large deposit up front. We actually don't think that, at least in in the, in the current climate, at least with all of the technology that's available to customers, when it comes to tying up your cash in a car. If I had 30,000 rand in disposable cash, um, would I put it as a deposit on a car load or would I invest a 30,000 rand in shares? Uh, and the opportunity of cash is just, it's, it's so so much larger. Uh, but in any event, most people don't actually have that cash on hand. So with the subscription, you don't have to have 30,000 rand you know, on hand to access a car. And this is also another reason why we say it's more accessible to subscribe than to try and take a take a car loan, um, especially if you don't want to be committed to a car for more than six years. Mm.
0: All right. Tinashe, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Tinashe Ruzani, he's the CEO of Flex Club. We've heard a little bit about his his story, and it looks like that platform will only continue to grow from strength to strength. That's where we leave it with our personal development session for this morning. Let me hand you over to the news desk.
4: Independent and impartial. This is SAFM News.